and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Nolling Podcast with Matt Gerrard and me, John Phipps. After 34 weeks, I think that's actually the first time I've mentioned Matt first. So that should hopefully give him a warm and fuzzy feeling. Has it, Matt? I'm to be honest, I thought it was going to be episode 33 because I, I thought, what could I do for 33? And I thought, oh, I became a father at 33. What did I do at 34? Probably never had any sleep in my 34 years. So uh, after becoming a father. So yeah, yeah, 34, eh? Blimey. They, and they say it would never last. Well, indeed, exactly. And, and well, we just about are lasting, aren't we? It's, it's, it's not more than that. Although I understand, Matt, you've had a change of scenery this week. Uh, well, yes, basically, um, I, um, in the office, I normally record it, but as, a, as it is these days, it's a, an open office. And uh, I had my uh, review and they said, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But when you do your podcast, you get a bit loud to so move into an office. So I've moved into the office in our building, which is known as the office of death, just for the podcast. Because everybody normally comes here to get fired pretty quickly, so um, I'll only be here for the forty-five minutes we're in the uh, in the pod, exactly. So, um, and of course, one of the big things this week, as we record the show, I went to see the Greatest Showman uh, this week, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I do like a bit of musical theatre, which probably doesn't. There's not many people in the non-league who probably do, but um, I would recommend it. That's my recommendation of the week this week: go to the cinema and come out bouncing, as I did after watching that at the weekend. Excellent. Well, I mean, with that sort of conversation, and you're in the room of death, Matt, so perhaps we should have a chat when we finish recording um, about things like that. But no, I I, uh, I, I sympathise with you very much. I, uh, I'm quite a fan of the, the sort of musical theatre sort of things as well. Is You know, it's a, a nice thing to do with your other half. And I think, you know, uh, I'm still waiting for her to say, oh, I'll come to the football with you. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there one day with a bit of compromise, I think. It's a family film as well, so from that point of view. So I'm always, it's always when I go to the theatre, when you go to the up, up west, as they say in East Enders, when you go to the theatre, I always have a joke to myself because when you go to the theatre, you come out and say, oh, we should really do this more often than like two years later you go again. So. You'll be pleased to know that I've parked a bit close to the curb this week, so hopefully there won't be any repeats of last week's uh, Wing Mirror Gate, which was under, undoubtedly the thing most of you were discussing on social media after we re- released last week's show. I can't confirm everything is fine. I've not had to replace the Wing Mirror. There was a moment where it had been knocked out of kilter, but everything is fine. And, and thanks again to the lorry driver for coming back and making sure everything was okay. What a, what a gentleman and a scholar that man was. It was indeed. Um, as I think I've mentioned before, I write the scripts of the show at home on Tuesday nights and uh, the sentence that I'm currently reading took me about 10 minutes to write. Not because I'm slow, but because the youngest of my two cats decided to sit on my chest between me and the laptop and he didn't feel the need to look at me, instead give me a delightful view of his backside. And he then decided that, as well that he would lick my thumb at the same time as I was typing. So if we had end credits, I'd definitely have to find a role for him. But, um... Aside from that, on Tuesday night, there were a few games, and we're going to start by discussing a team who were beaten on Tuesday night. Far, far away, as Tunbridge Angels went down 2-0 at Leiston. It's a busy week for Angels. We play a game on Thursday night against Billericay Town, and it already won on Saturday as they beat Kingstonian. Until now, Angels are the highest-ranked team not to have an interview guest on the podcast, but I'm glad to say that that's about to change. As on Monday, I caught up with boss Steve McKim, who, it was announced over the weekend, will be staying in charge at Longmead for 2018-19. And that new contract is where we started our chat. Yes, yeah, yeah, very pleased, very pleased they give me the backing to stay again. Um, I like the club, um, good people around, um, nice place to be around, and like I say, it's just, uh, yeah, it's that backing from them is obviously, uh, well, good, good, good on my part that they, they believe in me. It's your fifth season now, isn't it going to be next year at Angels? Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, it is. We've had some um, up and down times. Um, Good and bad, made some playoffs, had a good cup run, not so good this season, missed out on the playoffs last season, so all in all, it's been a, it's been a, been a good time, been enjoyable, um, obviously the, the club, uh, the club, everyone, everyone wants promotion, uh, but it's very hard, it's very hard when you look at certain budgets, when you look at um, different things that go on in the round our level, um, it, it's tough. You look at this season so far, I guess the, the thing you've kind of been lacking in two ways the last few weeks is, is a bit of consistency and stringing wins together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we didn't have a lot of um, that, but also I will say we're very consistent this season with our injuries, you know, <laughs> that doesn't help. So I look at, I look at the top, top six, seven sides, and I bet if you went through the season, 
they play their strongest 11 or, or they have a strong, I don't know, 13, 14, week in, week out. Um, whereas I've had to have a little bit of a struggle up because of injuries. You know, Tom Parkinson was due back Christmas, which would have been a big help. Um, but the surgeon got his, his uh, stuff wrong. Told him it would heal itself and it wouldn't. So he's gone back for a second opinion. They've had to crack it open again and, and, and reform it. So missed him out for nearly a whole season. And he's an important player for us. Bluden and Whitnell, same as. Um, two important players. And we've missed them for, for a fair bit. So, yeah, not been lucky on that front. And, and I think that helps with consistency as well. When you get a settled side, as it's proved over the last month or so, we've had a settled side. Uh, change one or two players from sub to a starting position. Um, and, and we've got four wins out of five. Uh, I suppose the, the thing is, it's a difficult one. You've mentioned budgets there, and I suppose Billericay being like they are with that sort of money, it, 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 they, they've always been the favourites for the league, and, and I guess that kind of has taken pressure off everyone else a little bit because it's theirs to lose, isn't it? And I guess teams like yourself, you were probably going to start the season thinking, well, we're not going to win the league, we've just got to do what we can. No, I feel, yeah, you, you look at they can go and make replacements sign players mid-season for £27,000 and stuff like that. Something we could never do. Something other clubs in our league could never do. Um, but you, you think of it, you look at them now. They've got a lot of games in hand. They should win the league. All they need to do is have another blip like they've had. And it could be Dulwich's. It could be Margate's. You know? Um, could be Folkestone's. It could be any 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 one of those sides if um, Billericke have, have a blip. And Billericke got to play some, some tough sides. You know? Um, Tommy Angels twice, there. of course. Well, we class ourselves as a decent side, so they've got to play us. Uh, they got, to, I believe, they got to go to uh, Hendon. They got to play Spains. So they got to play teams in and around that top top part of the table. Um, so at this moment in time, with them playing two, three games a week, I wouldn't say it's a given um, because all they need to do is go on a little little two or three game losing streak, which they have shown they've done before, and any one of them teams can put a point in the round and can capitalise on it. Um, so like I say, earlier in the season, you'd imagine that with, with what, what uh, budgets they've got, everyone still goes into it thinking they can compete and they, they can, can challenge them. Um, otherwise, it's not worth being in football. I suppose for you, obviously, this week you've got Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, weather permitting. What's it like when you've got that sort of level of, of fixture congestion, so many games in such a short space of time? Well, when you've got a squad, of, when you've got a squad at the moment of 13 players, um, you've got two that have come back from three months being out it's tough because you're asking them to play games and risking injury again rather than dipping them in and out um, you're expecting 19 year olds 18 year olds to play uh, that amount of games which they're not used to you know some of the older players would have done that in their careers these young lads haven't regardless of how fit they are it's, it's the mental side of it you know we travel at least on Tuesday it's a long journey Always got to get back, um, get out for work, get back at two o'clock after two, get out for work at five, six in the morning, full day's work, and then we've got to prepare for Thursday after a long day's work. So it's tough, but it's, it's the end you've been dealt with and you've got to deal with it. You know, you, you want to cry about it and moan about it. You know, plenty of people would like to be in our shoes, so let's, let's, let's just take it and get on with it and, and do the best we can. That's how I look at it. And you mentioned you've got some young players there, and I guess that's been a positive for you, the way that young players have come through. Yep, definitely. Liam Smith played near enough 25, 30 games this season and he's only just turned 18. Callum Taylor's played probably 15, 16 games but been out on loan at Whiteleaf and got another 20 under his belt at Diamond South. Uh, got a couple of the under-23s involved as well Saturday. Um, Tashi, he's come back from his loan he's starting to get game time now and, and looking good. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's good for to, to know that if they want to stay next year um, and we keep them, but it'd be good to work with some of them. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think if they, if they can apply themselves like they've done recently, them, them youngsters, you know, I think they've got, they've got a good good, um, good career ahead of them, whether it's non-league or, for, or higher up. And just finally, I suppose, you know, you've got, what, 10, game, 10 league games left, and I guess the aim is to get as many points as you can and hit the ground running next year. Always has been, mate, yeah, always has been. Get as many points as we can and, and, and look to see what we can do in the summer. Now, now my... my um, future has been sorted with, with the club, see what we can do in the summer and um, what acquisitions we get, what we lose and uh, 
then look, look to the season coming ahead. I think you can hear the frustration in his voice there, Matt, especially about the injuries that they've suffered. And, and when you've got a small squad, of t- as Tunbridge Angels obviously have, it, it is tough, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't realise, realise how much problems he's had straight away because he, you know, he was very straight the injury problems we've had. I know that had a lot of young players coming in and a few players have come and gone from that. You see the frustration they've had. And, uh, we've probably been pretty, quite critical of Angels over the, um, in the podcast saying, oh, they've probably over, underachieved this season. And, and again, a bit like last night, they've had a role. They've gone to Leaston, which is a difficult place to go, and losing from that point of view. So maybe there has been um, circumstances, circumstances why they've had a disappointing season. But Tommage as a club are well run. They've had Tommy Royal over a number of years, been for Kim now for, for a number of years. So they're, they're going in the right direction. Stability, the academy, which I know has, has, is quite a successful one, is, is bearing fruit at the moment. Just a disappointing season. And maybe all the bad luck we've mentioned in that interview. Um, he's had this season maybe that he's used it all up for two seasons see where I'm coming from 11th place at the table yeah it's been a disappointing season you keep certain going they're going to move on they're going to go on doesn't really work out for them so disappointing but Steve McKim is definitely the right man for the job and he's he's one of these managers I've interviewed before you just feel you wouldn't want to mess with him as well he's quite you know a big character who you know always expects much from his players and I'm sure he'll be disappointed with that but maybe from next season it could be a yeah, I think it was interesting what you said about the younger players, you know, and how they've got that experience. And we, we've mentioned this sort of thing when we've talked about the likes of Ramsgate and Sittingbourne, but the young players will benefit so much from, from that, you know, from their experience. I mean, he said the boy Smith there has played, what, 30 games this season in, in Ryman or Bostick Premier level. And he will undoubtedly be a much stronger player come the end of this year after, after all that experience, won't he? Oh, absolutely. It's good that certain players got off to Whiteleaf on loan, so they're learning, you know, the cut and thrust of non-league football. So the benefits, if you're a Tunbridge Angels fan, you're probably you know, disappointed from looking out from afar. You'd be disappointed, but maybe you can see the progress that is coming from behind the scenes when you've got the experience of the likes of Elders and maybe a Crokey, who are experienced players. But that what they can teach the younger people, it only benefits Tunbridge. I think so. Um, the future looks bright again, but I think. And it might be very easy for them to sort of uh, change McKim. He's been there five years. Maybe some of the fans will be thinking it will be an, an issue about it. But he sort of um, come, he comes alive as a manager, I think. So uh, from that point of view, and, and, I, and I respect the Tunbridge keeping him as manager because that issue's off the field, and it may have been easier to sort of say thanks. See, you've been there. We're moving on. We're clearing it off. But from now on, I think he's the man of Tunbridge. Yeah, and I thought another interesting point you made there was, you know, about the, the trip to Leiston on Tuesday night. I mean, that is, you don't really think about that that sort of bigger picture of it. But, you know, that they've played on Saturday. They've then had to go to Suffolk on a Tuesday night. As you said there, they don't get back home until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Some of them are up for work at 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. And then they've got another game on Thursday. I mean, that that is a really challenging period. And when you see... All these Premier League players saying, oh, we need a winter break. And they're saying, oh, my players can't cope with this. They need to have a look at this sort of level of football, don't they? Uh, yeah, when the, when the, the Premier League players say they need a winter break, they're playing football. You look at some of these sides in the division, uh, like, what, probably West Brom, they've probably got out of the Cups both games. They're going to play like 40 games a season. I expect Dunbridge um, are going to be, you know, with the various Cup competitions, they're probably looking 55, 60 games. So, plus taking another job. So, you know, if it's going to help England win the World Cup, which I think it probably is, having a winter break. But you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more sacrifices that these players give um, for for their jobs and think by playing non-league football. And I've got the, the hats off to them. And that's even as well when you think about the people behind the scenes, the secretaries, the kit men, etc., like that. That's what makes non-league such a great community. I think. Well, yeah, and it's true. I mean, you know, the people. You know, people would have had to take time off work on Tuesday afternoon to travel to Leeston to play in that game or to watch that game or to support the club or whatever. You know, and these are the, these are the people who are giving up their time for nothing. You know, you say the kit men and everything like that. They're doing it for the love of the club. And we've mentioned it before, but we've got so much respect for anyone who's doing that, haven't we? Oh, oh, oh it's amazing. And when I speak to uh, Richard Harvey, the Dover kit man, I mean, you know, he does a bit of media as well, helping things out. He says he gets, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, he's there on a game day, sorting the kit out. He's there, it doesn't leave to late, he's got to wash the kicks, he's got games coming up. There's so many unsung heroes in non-league football who give a lot, give a lot for the club, they don't get much back out. So, I think some of these people, you really deserve a, 
a, a real slap on the back for what they do. Because some of these clubs have survived that sort of tournament now, other two teams in the Boston League Premier Division are still aiming for the playoffs at least. And as you heard Steve McKim say there, he doesn't think the title race is over just yet. But Margate seems to be looking down rather than up after their 2-2 draw at Met Police. It's a funny one, Margate. I've said this before. I see a lot of Margate stuff on Facebook and I don't think there's a group of fans in Kent who get so high when they're winning and so low when they're not winning. Um, I still think they're going to make the playoffs, no problems. But it's, it's going to be an exciting few weeks, although... Gate have had an injury blow this week as Kane Hazeman's out for the rest of the season and probably quite a chunk of next season after suffering an ACL injury, which is another injury blow for Steve Watt. Um, Folks and Invictus' game at the weekend was called off, but they are still right in the hunt. So as it stands on Wednesday lunchtime, this is how the table looks. Dulwich are top with 75 points from 37 games. Billericay have got 70 from 31. Invictus 70 from 37. Margate 69 from 38. And Staines are in the last playoff place with 66 points from 36 games. Just a point ahead of Hendon, who've played 37. Leeston also has 65 but from 38 games. And I guess you still can't rule out Leatherhead, who've got 60 points from 33 games. But it's, it's, it's going to be tight there. But I still think both of our Kent sides are going to be in there. And I still think Ricky will win the league. Um, what Steve McKim says. Even though Tunbridge have got a big part to play, I think, in the... In the um, they will still play two games to play against Villa Ripley. I didn't realise how tight a bunch of the divisions come up now. You think they had five games in hand. If other sides um, win their games in hand, which is always, always near from the butt, Margate will move out of the playoffs. So, but again, conceding late goals and not hanging on to leagues, that's a little bit different disappointed in Margate over that late. So, of course, they've had that great run, but 69 points, 38 games. So, they're in a good position. And again, I think they're going to play a lot of sides around and they're going to play Billy Ripley. Definitely going to play Folkestone. So, um, it's in Margate's hands. Folkestone, again, under the radar a little bit when they went top of the league. I think um, five points have done it. So, um, if Billy Ricky do blow up, Folkestone do have a bit of a chance, I think, as, as well. They seem to be a bit more consistent, Folkestone, than Margate at the moment. And they score a lot more goals, Folkestone. Um, I think they're leading goal scorers in the division. So, yeah, at the start of the season, I probably would have said to you that maybe probably get two of our sides in the playoffs. Probably Margate and Tunbridge both sort of um, gone in there and uh, burst the bubble of the other two. But yeah, with a month of the sides of the season to go, looking good that we should at least have uh, one, at least one side in the uh, Premier League playoffs. Well, fingers crossed. And we'll move into the Boston League Division 1 South where I'd say the playoffs are going to be on, on course again. But Cray Wanderers are back scoring goals and winning games, smashing Whiteley 5-1 on Wednesday last week for a 4-3 win over Horsham on Sunday, a game which they were 3-0 up. Um, and looking at the latest non-league projections, as I like to, third may well be enough for automatic promotion too. Because they're going because top two definitely, and third because of the restructuring, and that's points per game, issue, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's the top two of all the divisions at that level who have the highest points per game will be automatically promoted as well. Right. Um, so then that will mean that there will still be four teams in the playoffs in that division. Which, as I was about to say, would be great news for Hythe Town, yeah, who yeah. are seventh. Stayed seventh, with a, uh, which would be a playoff spot after they were 2-1 win at Molsey. And, and you know, they, they've done really well, Hythe. And I, I think we mentioned this before, but if the team who finishes third goes up, that team who finished seventh, they are going to go into those playoffs on a high, nothing to lose. Yeah, they'll have two away games, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if especially if it is high, then it happens for them. The form that they are in, there's every chance, isn't there, that they could be a real threat in those playoffs. Yeah, I think the playoffs a couple of seasons ago all went very badly wrong for them. So they have got uh, nightmares about the playoffs. Be interesting to see how they do that, John, because surely I take it all these leagues finish on the same day because you may have people trying to work things out. Will the Bostick playoffs happen the following week? But some of the leagues might not have finished it, might go into third. So it's a, it's a bit of a Carol Vorderman style conundrum, isn't it, for, for leagues to sort this out? I think I think that they've aligned it so that they all finish at, at the same time, and I, th- I do think that these leagues, the Evo Stick, Southern, and the Northern leagues, I think they they all like to have their playoffs over that bank holiday weekend in May. So I think it will just even itself out. All the leagues have to finish on the twenty eighth of April, and that and that's that. So there may be teams somewhere else who've got fixture congestion ahead of them trying to get all those games in, but I think they have to finish on the 28th of April and then it goes straight into the playoffs after that. So it, it may actually be a case where we're not actually 100% sure until later on Saturday evening who's gone up, who's in the playoffs and all that, but that will certainly be an exciting day and wherever I end up that day, I'll certainly be taking an abacus with me. <laughs> yeah, 
I definitely think, yeah. And, and, that's, and the projections are that the, the Bostick South is looking good at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's all on points per game, as it also is with the with the second promotion place in the scaffold. And yeah, because the, the, the three at the top uh, are all looking pretty sharp up there at the moment. So you would imagine if if one of those if those three can maintain that form that they're currently on, then those three will all go up automatically, and then there'll be four playoff places after that. And as things stand, both Cray and Hyde will be in them. Yeah, yeah. So Carshall have come up on the radar a little bit, haven't they? They've got three games in hand of Cray, so. Um... I think that will create one thing that could put up and create a likely to become the first Kent side we've scored in the season to score 100 league goals. There's only six short on that, I see from there. So, Goldfitz is good as well. So, yeah, just got to maybe they've got those two wins, nine goals in the last two games, has reinvigorated their form. So, seven to play, it's all in their hands, really. So, uh, um, hopefully, they can find that form what they need to go from there. Exactly. Elsewhere on Saturday, the snow played a part with only four games surviving in the whole division. Uh, but Phoenix did win 3-2 at Ashford and VCD were 2-1 on winners over East, East Grinstead thanks to two goals from Alfie Hughes. VCD did lose on Tuesday, 1-0 at home to Corinthian Casuals. Uh, Thamesmead with 3-0 winners at Shoreham and Phoenix won again 3-2 on the road, this time at Chipstead. And Phoenix, we haven't really talked a lot about them, Matt. I know they lost their manager earlier in the season, but they deserve some real credit for what's been an excellent campaign. Those two wins this week have made it 11 wins on the road for them this season. A tally only battered by the top two. And third place, Carl Shorten, are the only other team who can match it. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? 11 away wins for Phoenix. Yeah, I, I think the Phoenix won time from that. Um, so, again, it's right north of the county, isn't it? Sort of on the, on the cusp, I think, uh, sort of around from there. Yeah, they're having a very good season. Um, again, wouldn't have thought that the main priority is to get promoted to the Ryman uh, or Devon Bostick Premier Division. So, but good season, very good on, on the road as well. So, to be fair, I don't know much about Phoenix Sports. Um, from there, they're having a decent season. And if we class them as Kent, again, they wouldn't have been one of the sides I'd have said would be riding high in that division for Kent to be yeah, I think we do, we do just about class. I, I have looked at many times at the map and I've kind of decided that anywhere. Bromley's pretty much as far as we as as we as we're going to go if we're looking at Kemp. Because I think you know, I mean, certainly Greenwich have never come onto the radar because I think that Greenwich is is what you think of London. But Bromley, I think we can just we we can get away with. So anything that's sort of east of there, I look at. And, and Phoenix, you know, they're an interesting one. They obviously came up from the scaffold a few years ago. They've had a, a bit of time in the in the north division, moved across to the south. They may be going back to the north next year, according to the current projections as well. But you know, they're obviously a small club. They're, they're doing probably better than people would say they would. And again, you know, you look at the league table and as you say, at the start of the season, if someone had said to us, order where the Kent teams are going to come, I wouldn't have had Phoenix third, would you? No, and I would be. I think probably the Southern Division is a little bit more tougher than the Northern Division. So they look at it that way. They've really done improved themselves from that point of view. So I presume their local games probably get to VCD around that sort of area. So, yeah, but I think um, scoring goals, why not? What a good season it is. I think it's difficult to come from the north sometimes. You may lose a few players from that point of view, but they've, they've done pretty well, I think. Yeah, they really have. Um, lots of games this week now. On Thursday night, um, Herm Bave's still got 12 games to play, host Whiteleaf. Sittingbourne travel to South Park. On Saturday, Cray travel to face second place Corinthian Casuals. Uh, Ashford go to East Grinstead. Faversham host Hastings. Ramsgate are at Shoreham. VCD travel to face the leaders Lewis. Phoenix are at home to Molsey. Sittingbourne host Shoreham, who still aren't mathematically down, believe it or not. Thamesmead host Chipstead. Herne Bay go to Walton Casuals and Hyde travel to Whiteleaf. There's four games on Tuesday night as well. Faversham against Shoreham, Herne Bay against South Park, Horsham against Ashford and Sittingbourne against Greenwich. And it's, it's funny, a lot of these teams haven't really got anything to play for other than pride and looking ahead. But in almost every single one of those teams, I can see something that they've all got to play for. You look at Sittingbourne, they want to get a win for their new manager. Ashford, they want to get an away win. Herm Bay, you know, want to continue their progress for a young side. So, even though you may look at these some of these games and thinking they're dead rubbers, I don't think they are, are they? No, I think it's grouping for next season um, from this point of view. It's amazing that some of these sides seem to play every week on midweek as well. I presume as the season's now because of the bad weather that it's been, you see a lot of these sides have got a lot of midweek games. So, not much training going on, plenty of football for these sides. So, I'm sure we'll be reporting... Every midweek, a lot of midweek games coming in this division as well. I think it's actually some spicy South Park. Still got 15 games to play. So, but some of the last night as well. So, yeah, again, I think there's a lot to play for for our Kent sides. They can end, as you keep saying, John, end the season well and then they can move on, regroup for next season, start, start as you finish, so to speak. 
Well, exactly. And South Park, talking to them, I was, I was looking at the fixtures last night and I was thinking, why haven't they played a league game? They've got loads of to play. They had a Surrey Cup, County Cup semi-final uh, against Merstham on Tuesday evening, which they lost 6-0. So um, I, I'd imagine that's not a fix that they wanted. But talking of more important cup competitions, uh, Bromley had twice come from behind to take a first leg advantage in their FA Trophy semi-final with Gateshead. And one of their goals was an absolute worldie from Louis Dennis. I don't know if you've seen it, Matt, but it's a big old game in the northeast on Saturday, isn't it? Everything to play for. Oh, it's it's a, a million dreams for, for Bromley. They're so close to get to Wembley. I did see that goal again. Louis Dennis is, is a kind of player that are popular at the moment. You know, I'm going mentioning about the, the sort of attacking midfielder who can go past people. And, and score goals. We saw it at Dover, which was a come on to Corey Whiteley. Um, that, that seems to be the in, the invoke player to go to the top. Something like Mo Salo, who's got that ability to go past player and score goals. Lovely touch from Louis Dennis. He's got magic in his boots sometimes, weak pass players, and it's, a, and it's a good finish. That's You're not thinking about your old fashioned centre forward players now. You're thinking about your, your tricky white men who can cut across. And Louis Dennis is one of them that probably on the cusp of Wembley. So, I don't know, you know, I can't imagine how a Bromley fan must feel. You're up, got second leg to go. How close is it going to be that this is, this could be the, the chance for them to, to play at Wembley? 3-2 up, difficult to go to Gateshead, but why not? And if Louis Dennis, who I see didn't play when they played in the league last night, if he can do it, um, there's no reason why uh, they could be lining up at Wembley. What a feeling that must be for Bromley supporters. It must be. And I think, you know, momentum is a big thing in a two-legged tie. And to have come from behind twice, to come from 2-1 down and score those two goals, you know, that that is absolutely brilliant for Bromley because they'll go up there feeling high as a kite. I remember uh, many years ago when, when Gillingham got promoted in, in year 2000, they, they had their first leg was away at Stoke in the playoff semi-final and they lost that 3-2. But the crucial thing was, was that their second goal came four minutes into stoppage time. Wonderful goal by Andy Hessenthaler as well. Probably the best goal I've ever seen in the flesh, to be honest. Um, but from that point of view, they, they had that momentum. And, and I remember thinking that day that the Stoke fans seemed really upset as they were leaving, but the Gillingham fans seemed really high. And, and I think if you've come back, shown that momentum and battled your way through, then you've got that little psychological edge. And I'm just hoping... Really hoping that that comes off for Bromley on Saturday. Yeah, and they won't be up there in the league this season. Show great character. They went behind after a minute, I think it was. They've got match winners. Gates, it's, it's all, you never know with Gates. They're quite an up and down sort of side. Um, from that, Steve Watson, the manager, of course, former um, Premier League player. So, yeah, he, he, he don't have Neil Smith play this. Does he think, right, a draw and we're through? Um, does he keep it tight? Maybe, obviously. You keep it tight, or does he go for it? Try and put the tie out of it out of its way in the first twenty minutes, first half. So, an interesting one. But Neil Smith is probably one of the nice guys in non-league football. Um, I'm really hoping that they can do it. Sort of rewrite the stars up there, Kent side of Wembley. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? I mean, as you've mentioned there, Matt, they. Played on Tuesday night in the league at Solihull Moors. They lost two 0 but made four changes in that semi-final. Um, not an ideal fixture really to have that in between the two semi-finals, but they've got to get these games played. And then after Saturday's game up at Gateshead, they're up at Hartlepool on Tuesday next week. Yeah, I'm thinking it maybe the playoffs are going to be out of our reach a little bit now. Um, games to play, um, it, it works in the favour. If You can work again both, both ways on this. You see, if they get to Wembley, then some of the players take a little bit of back foot. Neil Smith won't allow them to do that, but of course... As it is, it's always going to be in your back of your mind because it's quite late in May when the final is um, as well. But if they lose, you know, not your confidence of getting into the playoffs. I think it's going to be tough for them to get into the playoffs, but I think they've had a very good season. But the games are coming thick and fast and they're a bit like the size in the um, Devon Bostick South. They're going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think the team selection on Tuesday night, you know, with the four changes and they were all key players who missed out. I, I think... That was a sort of nod towards the fact that this Saturday's game is just absolutely huge for Bromley because the playoff places are getting further away. And, and part of that reason, Matt, is your boys. As Dover maintained their playoff push on Saturday with a third win in a row and a great scalp as well as they beat the leaders Macclesfield 2-0. Dream debut for new signing Keanu Marsh-Brown, who joined from Forest Green last week. 
and within a minute or so it opened his account for the Whites. He scored the second as well. You're going to hear from him in just a few seconds, but before that, here's his new manager on him before the man himself speaks to Matt. What a great start for bring, you sign somebody and uh, he scores two goals on his debut. First one in a minute, so we're pleased with that. Can I ask Brownie? He's been promoted twice at this division. He's a highly thought player. How did you get hold of him? You know, he hasn't been playing for Forest Green, but he could be the difference for you to the end of the season. Well, he'd be one at one at part of that. Uh, I mean, everyone's equal at our place. Uh, I think Jake had spoken to Scott Lindsay actually, he was the assistant there, and we've been trying to get him for quite a long time. To be totally honest, uh, and were you surprised he came? Because there must be other clubs. No disrespect to David, bigger than them, we could go to. No, well, there was uh, a lot of former league clubs uh, wanted him uh, but I think we've built up a relationship with him and his agent uh, and he knew a few of our lads uh, but as I say he's just one of the rest of the lads that obviously we know what our goal is uh, who knows what will happen at the end of the season we're going to have a few downs before that but today was a was a good before, good performance uh, in a bit of a miserable day. Talking about the loan system, you've got a number of loanee players. You haven't reused that before. What was the reasoning of going down that route? Um, no choice, really. As I say, that first training session uh, in pre-season, we had six players with none of them signed on. Uh, so uh, it's just you're not normally a fan of the loan market, are you? I'm not a great fan, but that's why when we try to bring them in, they're, they're good lads. I mean, we brought Paul Lewis in as well, didn't we? Uh, and he scored a couple of goals for us I'm not a great fan because they've got to be part of the team but the boys we've brought in is bit of, know the rest of the lads uh, and um, they, they've slotted in and you wouldn't they play as if they're part of us and uh, it doesn't happen every time when you get lone players It worked today though but you must be delighted Managerial genius though, bringing a player in scored two on his debut well, I don't know about managerial genius I mean obviously the, the rest of the staff had a lot to do with that as well as we say so it's a team and uh, you know he was pleased to come here because of the rest of the lads and he knows the rest of the lads are good lads as well so um, genius uh, definitely not that well, alongside me Dover goal scoring hero Keanu Mars Browner great debut to have yeah it was a um, good debut good to be back out there and the most important thing was to get three points Talk about your, you know, your first touch for the club. Take one touch, second touch. It's in the back of the neck. Talk us through the goal. Um, the ball's dropped to me. I've just seen a bit of space, and that's one of my talents shooting from long range. So I've just hit it, and it's gone in the bottom corner. You can't get much better start than that, can you? Uh, obviously, it's the best start for an attacking player, and it just gives you a boost of confidence. And obviously, I want him to get a second, which was good for the team. For me personally, that's a, a better finish because you know it, it looks easy going around a goalkeeper, but it, it, it's not as easy as it does. But it was a cool finish as well. Yeah, of course, because when I'm going through on my mind, I'm going, should I take it first time or go around the keeper? So I'm in my mind up quite early and I've gone around him and then I've managed to slot it home. You've been successful in this division before um, with previous clubs. Yeah. You've been at Dover, I know you've been here a couple of days now, but you think that the workings are in place for Dover to get into those playoffs? Yeah, of course, obviously. They, they nearly got there last year when I was playing against them on Forest Green, so they, um, they're going in the right direction. And um, the, the bunch of boys are a great bunch of boys, and the management staff are good, so it's only upwards. Did you know many of the players before you came here? Yeah, I know quite a few of them, obviously, from London clubs before and previously, so I fit around quite well, and they welcome me really well. What's the deal? You're down to the end of the season. Is there any recall from Forest Green if you need to? Um, not that I know of, just I'm known to the end of the season, and the main thing for me is to come here and hopefully push for promotion. Chris Kinnear said you had a number of choices to go to other clubs. What made you to choose Dover in the end? Um, obviously, I've spoken to the manager quite a few times. He, he said I'd come here and play a lot of games. That was a, the most important thing for me. Um, so that really settled it. The bunch of boys that I know here. So I just felt more comfortable coming here and playing my football. Is there no future for you at Forest Creek at the moment? You played up to about Christmas. You haven't had much game after that. Yeah, I think um, my season at Forest Green probably will be done at the end of the year. Um, I got offered a, a new contract, but I'm not really playing a lot of football there. So for me to push on in my career, I've got to um, really look elsewhere. But I'm enjoying my three years at the club there, so I'm going to go on loan and obviously when the season finishes, then see what happens. From a personal point of view, what's the difference between the National League and League Two? Is you think there's a big difference? Um, there's not much difference, I think. It's just quality, just a bit more quality and when you're in front of goal you just got to finish the chances that's a bit that's about it are you one of who looks at the league table now because that's top five didn't win today so Dover back in the hunt now for the playoffs do you one of these who look at the table or you just take game each game as it comes um, I just take it take it as it comes because on the day it's 11 men and whoever wants it more wins the game so 
we just get, get these games down and um, hopefully we just keep ticking off the wins. I suppose, as the manager say, eight cap finals to play, I suppose. Yeah, of course, that's what it is. I've been in this position before and obviously it's tough, so you've got to concentrate all the way and finish it off to the finish line. Matt, to paraphrase a well-known beer company, I'm going to mention, but even if they do decide to send some freebies, I won't be drinking it anyway. Carlsberg don't do debuts, but if they did, I'd imagine their marketing crew would be pointing at that one. Yeah, it was a, it was a dream start. Keanu Marsh-Brown turned up. This is me. This is my time. Uh, what he can do in the game. Um, of course, his first touch was running defence. Second touch, he's put the ball in the back of the net. You know, I, I thought when it announced that they were signing, I thought, that is a game-changer in this division because Keanu Marsh-Brown a bit like he's one of these wingers who can come off the wing, score spectacular goals. He's a game changer. He's got promoted with Forest Green. He's got to play off finals against Forest Green, play with Forest Green. Um, got promoted with Barnett, so he knows this division. So, a really big signing for Dover. If they can keep him fit, keep him interested, because there was rumours that he's, you know, sometimes he has attitude difficulties, but it, it's a signing that the rest of the division must have thought, blimey, they would have brought him in. Because uh, last season and the season before, he's probably been in the one of the top three players in this division. So, it's a fantastic signing for Dover. He had a good debut. If they can extend other loan players, which may be an issue now with Demons getting a new manager. Loco maybe his loan was up. Hopefully, they can renew that as well because he might not score many goals, but he's a different physical threat up top. So, yeah, it's, it's looking good. Next few weeks are absolutely crucial for Dover. But, Confidence is high, four wins out of five, four clean sheets as well. Um, doom and gloom, if you listened about a month ago, I was down, you probably hear it in my voice now, that um, we've got a chance that um, we can get into get into the playoffs. So, yeah, it's happiness at, at Cravel. We've been on a bit of a tightrope recently, but we've got a chance. Yeah, I think Marsh Brown is, is a real signal of intent. And, and as you heard Chris Kinnear say there, you know, clubs... Other clubs were sniffing around him, but he, he knows a few of the players, and he's obviously got a, somehow he's built up a rapport with with Chris Kinnear. And you know, you you heard him speak there. He sounded pretty hungry to me, Matt. So, and with, with a sort of short term fix, I, I guess it's an opportunity for him to go out there and, and show what he can do because he doesn't know what he's going to be doing next season either. No, he's been saying he's going to leave for for a green, and they'll have a number of clubs after him. I'm sure in this division, he, he, he was quite polished. I thought when he spoke to me, I think. Uh, probably had his media training at Forest Green because he wasn't too critical of them when he fell out the side. Some, certain players may have been a bit of animosity towards the manager who dropped him out. They've had a few changes this year at Forest Green. But yeah, he was both keen, hungry, um, and he is a good player. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That's something for Dover and fair play to bringing it in because it is a statement of intent because I'm, I'm sure all the sides, maybe not Tramway because they've got plenty of firepower, all the sides in the top, seven, eight or nine where Dave were looking at we want to sign him so uh, yeah really good a great signing Absolutely the, the, the leaders may have lost but second place Sutton didn't take advantage they lost 1-0 at Maidstone another good win for the Stones who've also added Greg Lua to their squad this week from Hull Jason has had a bit of a shake up in his squad the last few weeks and I guess now he's got one eye on next year hasn't he? Yeah I think they're going to be safe now um, people like Stuart Lewis is never enough of them struggling at the bottom of the league he's Missed a few games and he scored the goal at the weekend. 45 points, six points clear of safety. Um, another home game again. Tina, we record this before the game against Macclesfield. Everybody says the magical 50 points should be safe for them. I think they've got enough there. Lua, I do know about Lua a bit more because you follow these players, go from non-league. And I think he had a decent loan spell at Stevenage. So, again, reading between the lines, he's not going to be offered a contract at home. So, Again, he's putting himself in the opening in the transfer market for players to think maybe uh, he'll be available. Just to see how he gets on. So, again, plenty of loan players used by by Maidstone as well. That seems to be the in thing because Dover and Epsley again utilising the loan market, but maybe they haven't done previously. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I thought Chris Kinnear going back to that, you know, spoke quite well about it, saying you know we don't tend to to go big for the loan players, but uh, uh, as things are, you, you kind of have to go for it. And with you know, the way that they are, I mean, obviously um, Thursday this week is, is the final day for registering players, but seeing these teams, Dover have obviously had a, a bit of a look at it and thought, you know, we can just give it one last little push and, and, and if bringing in Marsh Brown is the decision that gets them into the playoffs and then who knows what happens there, then it's it's absolutely the, the, the right call to make, isn't it? Yeah, I would like Dover to, yeah, earlier in the season, Chris Kinnear, probably like, particularly last season, didn't really utilise the lane 
system in the first season in the conference. He did. He had Bonner and people like that. Um, but again, because he had to be the right sort of character. Maybe Marsh Brown is quite friendly with some of the Dover players. It brings him in as a good character. Yeah, it works on the other way because, of course, we've had James Alavi in, in uh, September time and he's done absolutely nothing and he can't even get on the bench these days. So um, maybe they feel that Marsh Brown is more likely to succeed. So from that, of course, we've still got Alavi. You never know. He could be involved come the end of the season. But um, from that point of view, yeah, but, you know, Chris Kinnear won't sign players on a whim. They have to be fitting right. And the way Marsh Brown started on Saturday, he definitely fitted in right. Yeah, as you already mentioned, Matt Maidstone play Macclesfield on Wednesday night. Then they travel to Wrexham on Saturday. Dover at Barrow. And Ebbsfleet return to action with a home clash against Maidenhead. Um, as well as Bromley's long trip to Hartlepool on, on Tuesday night. Dover are also on the road again as they try again to play Eastleigh. Uh, a week's a long time in football. And Dartford can certainly vouch for that after the, after the past seven days. Four points behind Haven this time last week. And with the Hawks still having a game in hand, things were starting to look a little bit worrying. But now, after their own dramatic win over Hemel Hempstead Town on Saturday and the leaders picking up just one point from their two games, the darts are within two points again with the same number of games played. Hampton Richmond are level with Tony Berman's men and I think it's safe to say it's now a three-way battle for that title. I had a little look last night and Dartford play Hampton and Richmond at Prince's Park on Good Friday. What a cracker that promises to be. Yeah, it's how important that last-minute goal could be for... Um... For, for Dartford, when I saw them the previous week, they were very, very down from the commentary from BBC Radio. Ken Tony Berman joined in with the uh, celebrations as well, so that could be the, the catalyst to, to find them back up at the table from that point of view. Surprised haven't they picked up what two points from the last? Um, they, drew, they lost on Saturday, didn't they? And lost last night, Truro. So you would think that the top three um, are the ones that are going to win this. Going to be the ones who go up. Dartford, Hampton, Hampton. Hampton get promoted this season. I think it might have done. Um, up there as well. Don't concede many goals, Hampton, but not prolific in front of goals, Darford. But that's the key game uh, over the Easter period for Darford. So, okay, apart from the game against Paul, um, they've been pretty decent at home. So, yeah, a good week for the Darts. This time last week, I was probably saying in the back of my mind, it was Havertz to lose, but a disappointing week for them. And that really must have buoyed Darford that when they looked sure the results come in on uh, Tuesday evening. Yeah, I, I would imagine that... Uh... Everyone at Haven't will be praying that that Dartford-Hampton game ends in a draw, but uh, we'll discuss that one in more detail next week. And the Darts travel to Oxford City on Saturday, who are in decent form and they're much better than their league position suggests, as no doubt Welling and Jamie Coyle will tell you after losing them on Saturday. But the Wings bounced back to win 3-1 at Bognor Regis on Tuesday night and leapt into the playoff spots, albeit that the two below them now have game in hand. They go to Hungerford on Saturday, but Coombs in the goals again and, and Welling are going for this, aren't they? Yeah, Adam Coombs. Uh, disappointing result of the weekend. But Oxford, I saw them over in the FA Cup, didn't they? They played Notts County and really pushed them hard. I think they've got some good players, particularly Sinclair, another one of the Forest Green players who's been uh, going. He's a good player. So uh, that's that's the kind of game that we've seen before Dartford go there and then don't perform to their ability. If they go to Oxford and get a result, that really puts down a, a decent mark. I haven't got a tough couple of ga- tough games well at Barnes. So, yeah, another every week... He, it's the crux. You think, oh, it's a big week for the for the um, National League South, and I think it could well be again this weekend if Darth can get a result at Oxford. Yeah, I certainly remember. I, I've always been impressed by Oxford. I certainly remember you and I cu- uh, watching them play at Margate a couple of years ago, and they were very good. I think Bradley Bubb was playing for them that day. And uh, funny enough, it came up on my time up the other day that you described that day Bradley Bubb as a veteran. He was twenty seven um, <laughs> at the time. But um, you, you know, Oxford. Are, are, are in that club, do you think he can actually have that? He must have had more clubs than Jack Nicklaus. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure he has much travelled. Um, but no, it's, it, that is a tough place to go for Dartford. But there's so many twists and turns. I think it's going to be one of those three who wins it, and then the challenge will be for the other two that they've got to push on in, the, in this new look playoffs and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out and somewhere else I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pans out is the Southern Counties East League which is uh, all we've got left to talk about now and Seven Oaks beat Hollands and Blair 4-1 on Saturday Croydon 3-0 on Tuesday the latter thanks to a hat-trick from Frankie Sawyer and Oaks are now 10 points clear at the top there's still a fair bit of football to play including two huge games this week for Mickey Collins men but I think at this stage of the season, even with those big games to come, a 10-point lead's pretty good, isn't it? Well, and you look at this division, maybe 10 points is never enough to, to go far in this. But the, again, from last week, how much it changes in the space of a week, 
in the business end of the season. It's been a fantastic few, week, few days for the Seven Oaks. Grover again, absolutely talked last night, having two players sent off. It may be not their confidence, but I would have thought Seven Oaks have gone off the pitch now. I'm thinking last night, thinking, yeah, 10 points clear. Really, it's theirs to throw away now with them going their way. So, again, we still have two games in hand, but if they win both of them, they're still going to be seven points behind. So, yeah, a really good week for Seven Oaks. Um, and I'm surprised. You know, we mentioned about Tunbridge Wells before. So inconsistent. But yesterday in the, in the local derby against Crowe, they easily beat them in. Your mate Jack Harris amongst the goals. Well, indeed, yeah, I was going to come on to that one. I mean, a 3-0 win. It's the Southern Counties East League Challenge Cup semi-final first leg. 3-0 win for Tunbridge Wells. And that's that's a fantastic result. I don't know how strong the Crowber side was, but, you know, fair play to them. And Jack Harris, you know, I've seen him a couple of times this season. In fact, I've seen him twice this season. He scored twice this season. He's a really good player. When he's fit and focused, there's no reason why he can't be among the top scorers in this league. And, and that kind of shows, doesn't it? Yeah, you know what impresses me that? There's an attendance there, 234 at Tunbridge against Grover in there. Well, they're not too far away from them. But what? Look at the attendance. When you think that Matt uh, Morgan, I think, in the Football League, 850 against Colchester, you know, the level they're playing at, support, shows that Tunbridge Wells can get decent support. I'm sure Grover would have brought a few as well. But that, that's the most impressive. That is an impressive attendance. I think, I think Margate played Met Police on Sunday. They had 90 there. So it shows that the potential is there, maybe for both clubs. Absolutely, I, I really agree. And elsewhere on Saturday, another well-supported club, uh, Sheppey United beat Cray Valley PM 2-1. That was the only other game that survived the weather on Saturday. Um, and the only other game on Tuesday was the was the Tunbridge Wells game, apart from 7-8. But the other semi-final first legs on Wednesday night when Lawsmid beat Whitstable. And there are also five league games on Wednesday night as well. Saturday sees a full programme. Standout tie there, Whitstable Town against Seven Oaks. And I also want to mention Chatham against Sheppey where anyone over 60 is going to get in for nothing and get a hot drink as well. What, what a great initiative that is, Matt. Oh, fantastic. Um, is there a reason for that? It's not, I don't know, every other day is sort of fish and chip day of the week or something on, uh, in the news. It's not over 60s day on Saturday. I think it's just the one thing to do, get people through the gates as well, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think, chat we saw before, the, uh, the social media is quite um, innovative. So, um, good to see you. Yeah, enjoy your go to Chatham. Enjoy your free football and enjoy your free drink as well. Even better. Well, why not? I mean, if if you were of, of a certain age, which uh, neither of us are, you know, then there's no reason why you, you wouldn't pop up there just, just to watch a free bit of football. And, and Chatham is a nice place to watch a game of football as well. Nice little stadium there. So um, I hope they get a good crowd in on Saturday. Um, after their game on Saturday at Whitstable, Seven Oaks then go to Beckenham on Tuesday night, which is another big game. Elsewhere, Chatham go to Beersted, Corinthian face Irith and Sheppey take on Deal. Um, and it's also the second legs of those Challenge Cup semi-finals. and Rust will meet Rochester on Wednesday. And again, it's, it's another one of those, isn't it? Plenty of games still to be had, and, and there's still plenty of good football on show. I think, yeah, look at those fixtures, John, there. Um, if 7 out get four to six points, I'd say the title will be theirs. Whitstable's a big game, so they mentioned Whitstable. There's two games in hand. If they win that, and then win the game in hand, they'll only be four points behind 7 eight. So, um, yeah, and that's probably the, the game of the day in the scaffold down there. But seven eggs in our hand, really. Four to six points in the next two games. This time next week, we could be thinking about them. They're going on the other, going on the other side and into the right, into the Devil Bostick League. I was, I was trying to work out in my head if they could afford to lose both these games this week and still go up. And I think they can. Um, but then they'll obviously have to win most of the others. But I think, as you say... I, th- I reckon if you offered Mickey Collins right now four points from those two, he would snap your hands off. So uh, we shall see how that plays out. And we'll obviously discuss it in next week's show. And um, one final bit of news that I thought we should mention is that the Kent Senior Cup final has been arranged now. It's on Tuesday, April the 24th um, at the Gallagher Stadium between Folkestone and Victor, who are apparently the home team, and Maidstone United, who are the home team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's an ideal date for Folkestone, though, is it? Right in between the, just before the last week of the season? I presume normally he's played on the bank holiday Monday, isn't it? In previous years, my other reason why they why aren't they playing it at Darford? From that point of view, I know Maidstone have played the last couple of seasons there. Maybe there's a link up between the Kent FA, but maybe from maybe better on a neutral venue, play it maybe at Darford or um, from that. Yeah, I think it's a strange one to play it there. And before that, folks that may be in the playoffs situation, so they may be able to rest players. Uh, on the Saturday coming up, but of course, 
kit in the playoffs, want to finish as high as possible to get a home game. You know, again, we've we've been critical of this competition. There's no reason we can't play it in July, in the August, the Saturday before the start of the season next time, or a few days within August to get the game in bed. Then treat it as a, a friendly, as a cup competition from there. So, yeah, that, I think that's a poor, maybe a little bit poor ranging. There's no real reason to get it in that quickly, I would have thought. No, exactly. Well, that's about it for this week. I've been looking at the fixtures, Matt. Have you got the weekend off? I have. I'm, I'm in an hour in about going recently on, on Tuesday. So, at the moment, it's 50 50 if I'm going to go. But weekend off, then it should hopefully be if um, I'm not going to Barrow, because I think even um, Jason Burns, the guy who, who does the media team, he's doing every single game, game of game this season. He's going to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to get to Barrow. So, maximum respect there. But. I think after Saturday, I should, if I go easily, which I mentioned, I'm in an hour about, I should see the remaining um, seven or eight games of Davis' season, which will be interesting to try and push them over the line. Excellent. Well, I may go and uh, wander up and see the, the, the old chaps at, at Chatham on Saturday. As a, it's not too far for me, but I might. it depends on, on various things. But, you know, Whitstable Seven Oaks could be a tempter as well. But I shall probably play it by ear because I might have other things on as well. Um, that is about it for this week's show. Thanks to everyone for listening as always. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on social media, on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast and on Facebook at Kent Non-League. Feel free to send us a message or, or any comments that you've got about the show. Um, as always, thanks to everyone for, for giving up their time to chat to us, especially Steve McKim. It was great to finally get someone from Tumbridge Angels on the show. Um, I've now got to work out who's the highest ranked team who hasn't been on the show. I think it might be Phoenix, but that's what one for me to, to work out another day. But um, yeah, another really good show. Hope you've all enjoyed it. And we shall speak to you all next week after what's going to be a belting week of football and looking ahead to the crucial Easter period. Thanks for listening. This is the greatest show.